you guys ever rate your daily performances? Like some days you're just doing really good and some days you're just doing really bad. Please tell me I'm not the only one. Anyone? Okay, a couple of you guys. I had a really bad day on Sunday. Um, I went to go to the pharmacy to pick up some medication because I wasn't feeling so good. And I went to the drive-thru because I didn't want to go inside. And as soon as I pull up, it just started off on a bad foot. I look at the girl right behind um, the window and I'm like, hey, I'm here to pick up my subscription. Now, for those of you guys know, that's not the correct term to use. It's a prescription, right? Sounds like I'm signing up for Netflix. And she kind of like looks at me and starts laughing. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, she's like, this guy's such an idiot. And I realized that she thinks I was like telling a joke. Like, she kind of thinks I was flirting with her a little bit. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no, that's not what's happening. Like, I'm a dad, not that kind of dad. Like, like look, look at the car seats. Like, look at the car seats in the back. Like, that's not what I'm doing. And she's just like making this so uncomfortable. She keeps like giggling and laughing. And I'm just like, I just want this to be over, right? And so... The problem is with my Jeep is that it's really high off the ground. And sometimes when you're going through a drive-thru like this, it's just completely unlevel. And so she's still like giggling, laughing, and doing her thing, and the draw comes out. Have you guys ever experienced this before at like a pharmacy drive-thru? Anyone? Okay, no one? Great. So the draw comes out, and um, I give her my card to pay for the medicine that I'm getting. And I can't reach. So I lean forward to reach. My car wasn't in park, and I gun the gas, and my Jeep goes zero to 60 in two seconds. I'm too old to be doing things like that. Like, I almost gave myself a heart attack in that moment, right? And so now she thinks this is so funny, right? She is just dying laughing behind the window. The guy behind me is laughing, and I'm like, really, bro? I'm glad that this is making your day a little bit better. Now, everyone's laughing at me, and I just wanted this moment to be over, this performance wasn't very good on my rating scale, right? And some of you guys know what that's like. Some of you guys find your worth through your performance. Some of you guys think that how athletic you are, how smart you are, how attractive you are, determines how much you can be loved by everyone else. Andrew talked about this a little bit in his message last week, and it's something that we can all wrestle with because we all want people to love us. We, we want people to think that we are special. But when we let this go through the lens of our performance, it can really do a lot of damage in our lives. Guys, for me, if I'm not careful, I can make church about my performance. I've told you guys this a bunch of times, but I am definitely a little old school Pentecostal. Like after a service, I want everyone to be crying. I want to pray for Philly and have him fall over. And if he doesn't fall over, I'm going to push him over, break out that modesty blanket. Y'all don't even know about modesty blankets because you can grow up in the 90s. But right, that's kind of the experience I want, that I want. I'm just kidding. I don't want anything like that. I think churches like that are nuts. That's not what I want the green room to be like. But I do want you guys to have such a powerful experience with God every single week. And it's so easy for me to try and make it about performance. And I think probably the most dangerous way that we play this out in our lives is we make our relationship or our faith with God all about performance. Some of you guys feel like things in your life are really bad with God because your performance has been so bad lately. 
Maybe this week, you fought with your parents all week long. It felt like every word that was coming out of your mouth was just hateful this week. Some of you guys didn't even open up your Bible once. Some of you guys fell into some things that you know are wrong. And you feel dirty tonight because of the things that you have gotten yourself into. And when we go through these stages in life, it's so easy to feel like God is angry with us. It's so easy to think he stops loving us when our performance isn't what he wants it to be. But the flip side is true too. There are some of you guys in this room right now who feel like everything is really good with God because you have been checking off all the right things this week. You have been reading your Bible. You have been praying. You've been really kind to that crazy kid in school. Like, you are just doing good this week. Like, you're kicking butt. And you just feel like, you know what? God really loves me. He definitely loves me more this week because I have been just hitting a home run. Guys, what if I told you both ways of thinking were flawed. And as long as we keep thinking this way, our view of God is going to be distorted. We are going to have really high highs and really low lows. We need to desperately break out of this pattern of thinking in our lives. And I'll tell you this, it is absolutely not easy to do this. Our performance should never dictate our standing with God. One of the ways that I know this is true is when I do an altar call sometimes as a pastor, it's the same people that are always looking at me. There was one season where this one kid got saved like four weeks in a row and I was like went up to him afterwards and like bro you are super saved. Like you don't ever have to pray this prayer ever again. Like you are good. It's your faith that saves you. And, you know, I could just see the pain in his eyes. I could see him just wanting to tell me that I just had such a bad week and I just need to know that God still loves me. I just need to know that I'm really saved because my performance, the way I've been acting, is so contrary to what I want to do. Because I'm not sure how I'm going to break this to you tonight, but... Um, I'm not perfect. I know some of you are really going to struggle with that. <laughs> I hope you hear the sarcasm in that, right? Guys, there are some days and weeks where I feel like I am getting more things wrong in my relationship with God than I'm getting things right. And it's so easy, even for me as a pastor, to think that God is just so disappointed with me. To think that God is just one bad mistake away from saying, Joey, I'm done with you. I, I, I just don't want anything to do with you anymore. You say you're going to be different. You get on stage and you talk to people, but yet you still fall into some of these same patterns. And I can honestly just feel like God just doesn't love me so much sometimes. And if I feel that, what do you guys feel? Like I devote my life to opening up God's word on a consistent basis. What are you guys going through? What are you guys feeling and thinking? And I think sometimes this is something that we are a little bit scared to talk about. There's something in our human nature that always pulls us back to this. That says that we need to earn something from God. That we still need to prove our worth to him by 
our performance. But like I said before, guys, all that does is distort your view of God. You know, maybe you're new to church and you just feel like this thing can't ever really be for you because your performance your whole life has been so messed up. And you come to a place like this and you look at all the people raising their hands and talking to each other and they just look so perfect. It looks like everything in their life is just going so great. But then you look at your life and maybe you've never even heard about Jesus before, but your first thought is, this can't ever be for me. I'll never be able to be perfect like everyone else. And if that's you tonight, I want you to know that there are no perfect people in this room tonight. We all are flawed. And there is good news for you and I tonight. If you are really hurting, if you are just really struggling with some of the things that you have done, Jesus wants to speak something into your life tonight. Um, what do y'all think about weighted blankets? Does anyone have a weighted blanket in the room? I think weighted blankets are creepy, and if you have one, you are creepy. Um, Jess just recently got a weighted blanket for Christmas, and I thought, you know what, let me try this out. And I put it on myself, and I think it's only about 10 pounds. But honestly, it felt like 40 pounds was on top of me. It's supposed to help people with anxiety, but I'm pretty sure it gave me anxiety with, like, all this weight on top of me. I'm like, I'm going to sue these people. I have issues now, right? And, and I couldn't wait to get that weight off of me. I was like, not today, devil. I threw that thing right off, right? I don't know how any of you guys sleep with that. And I think in life, when you live for your performance, it's like there is just this weight that is always on you, that always holds you down, it always holds you back. And I want to take this weight off of all of you. And here's the crazy thing, right? I know the truth about what we are talking about tonight. I already know the answer. So many of you in this room already know the answer to what I am talking about. But there is just something in our hearts that constantly pulls us back to this way of thinking. And it just hurts to always live in that place. Guys, there is a term for this. And it's a real thing that people in Scripture struggled with. It was called legalism. And there were these Pharisees when Jesus was walking around the world, and they felt like they could earn God's approval by making the checklist in their life, by always getting things right. And you and I have to battle that same spirit sometimes because it's in our nature to think we have to earn everything. But what if there is a better way? And if you already know the answer, I want you to search your heart and look at some ways that maybe you have been doing this and thinking. And I pray that this pattern that can be so destructing will be broken in your life tonight. And I want us to look at a story, probably one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And we're going to kind of pick up at the end of it. And it's in Luke chapter 15. And I want to tell you guys, without going through the Scripture, a little bit about the beginning of the story before we actually start going through word by word, which was what was actually written. But this is the story of the prodigal son. And Jesus is talking to a mixed group. There are some Pharisees, some pastors, and some sinners in the room. And he tells them, this story which has a deeper meaning. 
And he begins to talk about this father who has two sons. And one son decided one day that he wanted to leave his father, that he wanted his inheritance, which was like saying, Dad, you are dead to me. I want half of everything you have, and I'm going to go start a life for myself. And the father let him do it, gave him the money, and this son left his father, left his home, and he went and lived a wild lifestyle. He was partying, he was with prostitutes, just squandering everything that his father had given him. And he had a good time for a little bit. But Jesus says that hard times hit the land. And when those hard times came, this man's money ran out. And he was desperate for a job, so much so that he found someone in this foreign land that he was in that would give him a job. And the only job that he could find was taking care of the pigs. And while he was in the mud with the pigs, he wanted the food that they had because he hadn't eaten in so long because he was so poor and he was so broken. And while he's hanging out with them one day, he decides, maybe I could go back to my dad. Maybe he'll let me come back as a servant. I don't want to even come back as a son. Because even the hired help in my father's house lives better than this. And so he decides to leave this all behind and take a chance. And Jesus says that he heads on his way home. And while he is walking home, his father sees him from a distance. And he comes running out. And you would think the father's running out so he could discipline him. So he could tell him how upset he is with the way that his son has chosen to live his life. But that is not it at all. He meets his son and he hugs him and he kisses him. And the son tries to bring up the speech that he had thought about the whole time in his head. About, Dad, I'll just be a servant. You don't even have to take me back. And while he's trying to get through this whole explanation, the dad is just loving on him. The dad is hugging him. The dad yells out, we're going to have a party tonight because my son is back. And that's where we pick up in the story right now. This is what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him? Because, and every time that I had ever preached on this scripture before, I always thought the way to break down this verse was say, don't be like the brother. And how he mistreated his brother who had finally come home. He didn't have any grace, any compassion. But as I was Studying this, I realized the brother's 
kind of argument here and what he says to the dad. He says, he says to the dad, you know what? Dad, I have done everything right. I have lived my life according to your will. I've been in the fields. I've been working. Why did I never get a party? I have had your heart in mind. My performance has been great. See, guys, he thought the father's love was based on his performance. I mean, it kind of makes sense to your earthly mind, right? One son stays, does everything the father wants, and another goes away and spends all of his inheritance. With our earthly minds, of course you look at the situation and say, this is a no-brainer. He should love the son that always stayed with him more because he was right there in his presence. But Jesus is about to teach some, everyone in the room that he was talking to something so very powerful. So you and I think like the brother, but we need to think more like the father in this story. Let's look at this next verse. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And, and I just love the father's response because he doesn't just come at this one brother and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. I love his reply. It's just this. Everything that I have always had is yours. It, it's, it's all yours. But do you get what's going on? Everything that I love in this life is my son's. And now my one son who is lost is back. How could I not throw a party? How could I not be excited about this son? How are you not excited about this? He was dead but now he is alive again. And what he was saying is this, son, I don't love you because of your performance. I love you because you are my son. I don't value your life based on the things that you do. I value your life because you are mine. I love you for who you are. And I am so proud of you that you've been here working all along, doing all the things that you're supposed to do. But I love you because you're mine. Guys, the same thing is true for you and I. God doesn't love you because of what you can do or what you can earn in this life. God loves you because he made you. God loves you because he called you. That second that you gave your life to Jesus, you were adopted into sonship, and you were adopted into being his daughter, and you are his now. That is why he loves you. Not because you read your Bible every week, not because you pray all the time, not because you're the kindest person in school. He loves you because you are his. This last week, 
um, my daughter Mila had gotten something stuck in her mouth, and I had to get it out, and I didn't know what it was. And so I'm not a real big fan of doing this, and Jess definitely is way better at it, but she wasn't home. So I went in her mouth, and I tried to look all around, and she had hit it all the way in the back, and she did not want me to get it out. And so while my finger is in her mouth, she bit me as hard as she could. And she's got these two janky sharp teeth that went really deep into my finger, right? Because in that moment, I didn't say, I don't love you anymore. I didn't say, I'm done with you, daughter. How dare you? Your performance is so messed up. Because not even for a second did I stop loving my daughter. You know why? Because I don't love her based on her performance. I love her because she's my child. I love her for who she is. Just because she had a bad moment doesn't ever make me stop loving her. Because when you have a bad moment, when you are having that week, when everything is going wrong, God still loves you. Not even for a second does his mind change about you. He loves you just as much when you are at your best as when you are at your worst. Here's something that someone in the room needs to know tonight. Is you cannot outsin the love of God. You cannot outsin the grace of God. It is so much greater than anything that you and I could ever do. Stop letting this determine your view of God. So many of us have messed up views of God. Sometimes I have a messed up view of God because it's so easy to let that self-righteousness, to let that legalism sneak back into my heart and say, you need to earn this. This needs to be about you. You need to break free from this sin. But there is no power in that and it changes absolutely nothing. Guys, performance doesn't define Love. Anyone that only loves you because of the things that you can do doesn't really care about you. We need to know that, especially when we're in a relationship one day. God has taught us this. If someone only loves you for all the great things that you do, man, they don't really care about you. And you need to examine that in your heart if that is what you are looking for and trying to win in life. I want to look at Romans chapter 5 real quick because I think it explains it in a powerful way. And what's so interesting about the story we just read is that is, it ends just like that. My son who was lost is now found. And maybe that's just what someone in the room needs to hear. It's not about what's been going on lately. It's not about what has happened, where you went, what you did. God's response to you is that you were once lost, but you are now found. And that is what truly matters. This is what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, when we were God's enemy, when we had nothing to give him. He showed us what real love is, that he chose to care about us despite our condition, despite what we could offer him. 
that he decided to get on that cross anyway and love us. Let that sink in for a second. Let that go deep down in your hearts because we need to retrain our hearts and our minds when it comes to our actions to know that it was always about Jesus and it will always be about his love, not our love, not what we can do in this life, but what he has already accomplished on the cross. It says this in verse nine. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from grace, saved from God's wrath through him? For if, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having being reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Guys, do you get that? Even if we wanted to earn it, we couldn't. I think about the best person who has ever lived on this earth, right? I don't know if you had to pick one person apart from Jesus. I don't know. Mother Teresa, right? A saint, a great lady, right? She did so many good things. Not even Mother Teresa could earn God's love. One sin, one small moment or bad decision would separate you from God. It could never be you and I trying to earn it because we never could. We would never even be able to get close. It had to be Jesus. He was the only one that could do it. And through his blood, you and I are reconciled to God. You know what that means? It means that everything that I have ever done and everything that you have ever done wrong is now covered by that blood of Jesus. It means that Jesus' performance has been transferred to us. That it's no longer my performance that matters. When I stand before God, he sees Jesus' performance in my place. That is what God has done for us. And so when I'm having a bad day, when my performance is so wrong, it's all about Jesus' performance. And in those moments, you and I need to be willing to catch ourselves and remember what it is truly all about. And that is Jesus. His blood broke the power of our performance. And I want you guys to get this. It's so important that you see what I'm about to say. You don't use what I'm saying right now as an excuse to sin. So many of us would look at this and say, all right, I guess now I can do whatever I want because God has reconciled me. So I can just keep on sinning. No, if that is your attitude, then the truth isn't really in you. When you have really come into real relationship with God, there is something in you that hates your sin, that wants no part of it. And Paul tells us that there are times when our earthly minds and our earthly bodies are drawn to things, but our spirit hates it. And we do what we don't want to do sometimes. There is a difference between the two. 
Some of you would like to use this as a license and permission to sin, but then there's others of us that hate what we do sometimes. And that is who I'm speaking to right now in this moment. When you do the things that you hate, you need to remember that it's not about your performance. And it is not a license to sin. I don't want anyone in this room to get what I'm saying confused tonight. But when you really see Jesus, when you get a real glimpse of his glory, you don't want that sin anymore because you see how much pain it truly causes. You know what's funny? Um, and, and I don't even fully understand this in the, the full weight of it. One of the things that people or really anyone in church needs to hear the most is the thing that they already hear the most. You and I have gotten so good at tuning out this phrase. And maybe it's because we've heard it so many times. But whenever I pray for someone, whenever I'm counseling someone, it, it really comes back to this issue. Does God really love me? And I think what happens is, I'm standing up here on the stage and I'll say things like, God loves you. And we think it's for everyone else. Or we just heard it a million times. But I just want you to think about this for one second. Forget about everyone else in the room. Just think about yourself for one moment. God is crazy about you. He loves you. You. Not just the person sitting next to you. He loves you. Like I was saying it to you if you were the only person in the room. Despite what you've done lately, despite what you've done over the whole course of your life, God loves you. See, there's this identity issue in our heart. This legalism that tells us that phrase can't really be true. That I still need to do something. But that is so far from the truth, guys. Don't let that just be something that you hear in church. I caught myself this week, and I just took it in. Like, God loves me. And I've said it a billion times, but I really let it hit my heart. And I pray that you would do the same tonight because you need to hear that more than you think. And you may just write that off like, this is just so basic. But that is what is going to set you free tonight. Focus in on that one thought that God loves you. Here's the bottom line that I want you guys to remember. God doesn't love you because of your performance. He loves you because you're his. That is such a freeing thought for me. And I pray it's freeing for you. That you don't have to do anything else. You can just be tonight and know that God loves you. Let go what happened this week and keep moving towards Jesus. We're going to fall. We're going to get things wrong. And the most important thing that you can do is pick yourself back up and keep going. God will work in you the things that he needs to do. 
but just keep going because it's not about your performance. Don't let that alter your view of God because he is so much better than anything you and I could even begin to imagine. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, that our performance is no longer counted against us, that now we are the righteousness of God, that your blood has washed away every single mistake. And I pray that it would transform us. I pray, God, that the power of those words would go deep into our heart. That we wouldn't be people who are really high in one moment and really low <coughs> in the next. That we would know where we stand with you, God. That we would know that we have your favor, that we have your love, that everything that's ever been yours has always been ours, God. I pray that we would love seeing other people set free like we have been set free. I pray that you would reprogram our minds and our hearts and change the way that we think and view you, God. I pray because of this change that you would do some amazing things, God. That people who have been held back for too long would move forward like never before. We just love you, God. And we just want to receive your love like never before. If tonight you just feel like God is calling out to you, you feel like he's speaking to you and you just want to respond to what you heard, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And it's your faith that saves you tonight. It's not the words. But if that's you, you can just pray these words in your heart. You don't have to say them out loud. Jesus, I want to know your forgiveness. I want to know what it is like to be a son or daughter. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose again in victory. And I believe that your performance now becomes mine. I want to start this journey with you tonight. Would you be the savior of my life? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time tonight, just with no one looking around, with every eye closed right now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, could you just look at me real quick? Tonight was your very first night. Praise God. Awesome. You are now our son and daughter of the Most High God, and he loves you, and he is crazy about you. Jesus, as we just sing this next song, I pray that your love would invade this room. I pray that old hurts would fall off. I pray that sin and chains would be broken, that old patterns of living would be destroyed by your love tonight, God. That we would leave with a new sense of who you are because of your presence that is about to show up and about to do something 
so amazing. We love you, God, and we're so excited for all that you are going to do.